Yo, what is going on, everybody? It's your boy, Marshall, live, and I am live, and I am back with another episode of the Marshall Gillen Show. It's just this little show we've been doing since 2016, talking to leaders who have turned their mess into their message and created impact, influence, and income out in the world, and more importantly, they've learned how to create freedom around their expertise, around their passion, and today I am back with another special guest, somebody who I met not that long ago, who is quickly becoming a very good friend of mine, and I haven't really said it publicly yet, but he may or may not be speaking at my next event. Don't tell anybody yet. You guys, I am very, very excited. Without further ado, I'm going to bring on my new and good friend, Zach ROI Williams, speaker, investor, entrepreneur, podcaster, author, all-around marketing badass, 16-plus years of experience, one of the most gangster motherfuckers I've met in a while, dude. Zach, welcome to the show, man. Thank you for being here. Bro, you got me hyped, dude. I'm just happy to be here, man. Let's go. Dude, that that I tell you all the time that uh, that studio is official as a whistle, man. And I know that you've been up to some big things. I know that you're crushing it in the marketing space. And we're going to dive in and give our audience some value, some high-level value, so they can learn some of the things that have made you successful and your clients successful. But I want to dive into a story real quick because I want to I want the listeners and the viewers to know who you really are. So we will get to the point about how you ended up there. But at one point in your life, you were laying on the ground after a traumatic, uh, after a motorcycle accident that nearly killed your life. So I want to kind of, I want to start right there. You can tell me how the accident happened and what the, how the day unfolded. But I want to know right in the beginning, when you were laying there, the accident just happened. Were you conscious? What was running through your mind? And what can you say about that moment? I mean, were, what, were you thinking this is it? What was going through your mind? Tell the listeners a little bit about that moment of your life and what's transpired from it. Man, uh, yeah, no, thank you so much for giving me a platform to kind of speak on this on. I'm actually getting goosebumps, like when you're hearing you talk about it. It just we're coming up on the 10 year anniversary of that of this day, literally like uh in the next 30 days, and it's uh it still impacts me so much that I get goosebumps. And I've probably told this story a thousand times, but um Man, uh, just to kind of set the scene, bro, like, yeah, yeah. this is the busiest street in the city. Uh, it's six lanes long. You've shut it down. There's just complete and utter chaos everywhere around you, laying in a pool of your own blood. I mean, again, chaos everywhere, uh, sirens going from all directions, people screaming, I mean, whatever noises you can imagine after a pretty, uh, like a catastrophic wreck and, um, just sitting there con like, at, I don't want to say at peace. Um, and I don't necessarily know how to put it in perspective. Um, and I'm going to attempt it here. Like they say that drowning is the most peaceful way mm. to pass. This sounds really crazy, but they say that like, as you're going through that experience, everything's quiet everything's calm like you're just it's just such a calm state um so i don't i it never drowned so i can't relate it to that but i want to kind of put it in that perception of like utter chaos breaking out all around me and here i am still uh here i am wow just as calm as i can be because internally i don't know how bad the situation really is all i know is that it is serious um but what was going on in my head was 
man, I just want you to imagine like the, I don't care like what the scenario was, but you've been up two or three days, whatever the case is, like you've been working on a project, you've been doing some, some stuff you probably shouldn't have been doing, whatever it is. But like, I just want you to imagine like the most tired you've ever been in your entire life. Mm. And then I want you to multiply that by like a hundred. Like I have, I've pulled all nighters. I've pulled all weekenders. Like I've, uh, you know, I've gone through, like, I know what it's like to be so desperately tired. And this was just so much more intense than I can even put into uh -huh. words. But I was sitting there just tired, ready to go to sleep. And I don't know what was in it internally. I don't know if it's like your soul or, you know, from when I'm on stage, I tell this story is like this version of myself that is today kind of going back in time going back in history to this day saying don't fucking give up on me bro like i don't i can't explain to you what it was but there was something inside of me internally that knew going to sleep meant dying like i knew like when you go to sleep at night when you're like all right cool i'm gonna go to sleep and i'm gonna wake up the next morning like you, you make that conscious effort to fall asleep uh, or to drift off. Me, I knew that if I did that, I was never going to wake up again on this mm. planet. And um, as I'm going through that, and this I said it verbally uh, only on one other podcast here recently, and it wasn't until he let me know how impactful that was to him where I realized I should say this out loud more often. Um because this is my story. You know, I was, I was uh, doing an outdoor workout with my wife the other day. And I told her, I said, man, it's crazy to me. Now that, you know, I've got this book coming out and this story is a big part of it. And this, this story is getting highlighted on so many podcasts of recently. And to me, it just seems so nonchalant because it's my story. Right. Like it is my life. I just feel like this is normal for me. This is my normal life. But for other people, it is something of impact. <laughs> it is something that can can help, um, you know, people. Uh, so anyways, some of the, the things I don't necessarily think to verbalize. Yeah. And this is one of them. So as I'm laying there, it's like most movies. Most movies, I feel like, theoretically are derived from some sort of real life scenario. Mm. Like the reason people say like, you know, don't give into the, you know, like whatever, hold on. Just yeah, don't, don't go to the light. Yeah. yeah. Like that it's because it's real. Like yeah. those experiences were things I was literally going through. Um, but one of which is like your life flashes before your eyes. Right. Like, so that was like a very real concept. Like I'm laying there utter chaos everywhere in a uh, guys, literally like in a six, eight foot circumference cert pool of my own blood, just uh, utterly bleeding out laying in this one I, I call her my angel since i have not been able to find her no one knows who she is no one knows where she went after the wreck but a lady was holding my head she was the only one that stopped to help me uh so I, here i am in a pool of blood laying in this lady's lap and i'm wow. getting this flashback of what my life has has accumulated up to this point and that was impactful don't get me wrong and even thinking about what I had at the time, not even just what was in my past, but actively like what was in my life uh, was pretty impactful. But there is something inside of me that knew I was going to be this motherfucker standing in front of you today. Let's go. 
And that's what kept me alive was knowing that like, yes, my past, yes, my family, yes, my friends, yes, what I currently had. But I also knew that there was more left for me on this earth. I knew that there was more for me to fight for. I knew that I was going to go on to take that opportunity to impact other people's lives and to give value to other people's lives. And I was going to end up in the shoes that I am today. And that in and of itself is why I was able to pull through because I knew that I was meant for more. I knew that it wasn't my time on earth. I knew that there was something that I had to do that was not finished yet. Dude, let's go, man. First off, to anybody that's listening or watching this right now, I want to remind you of what Zach just said. Because if you're listening or watching the show, there's a good chance that you know that you are built and made for more. Now, you may not have been in laying in a pool of blood like Zach, but just being here on this recording with both of us proves to you, yourself, the universe, that you're built and designed for more to be more. And that's exactly why I have Zach here. Zach, I want to share something with you, man, because I remember reading that story on a, on a Facebook post that you had a couple of weeks ago. Maybe it was a couple of months ago now telling the story. And you said that line. I was the most tired I had ever been. And I knew that if I had gone to sleep, that was it. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the reasons that that's so impactful to me is that when I attempted my life at 23, I just I tried to OD. So like 53 half bars of Zannies, an eight ball of Coke and a fifth of vodka as quick as I could take it down. But the thing that was that as soon as I did that, I had this instant regret. Like I was like, I don't want to die. What am I doing? And so I'm in the bathroom trying to make myself throw up, but I can't. And so I'm falling asleep in that age with the hyper realization that if I go to sleep, I am never going to wake up again. And so for something about the way that you shared that to me, took me back to a moment not that I definitely haven't forgotten about, but that I hadn't kind of been in. Cause usually when I go to that space, it's I I'm, I'm the puppeteer of it. I'm on stage or a podcast, but it caught me so off guard and it's so real and so authentic. I did go to sleep. I didn't know that I had a bigger thing for me. God hadn't talked to me or, or touched me in that way yet. So when I hear your story and the, and the push that you're making with it now, it's like, it's so relatable to me and I'm so about it because I'm at a point in my life where I understand our mess is our message. Mm-hmm. So I want to jump into this, a few things and unpack this. We can go back and we're going to talk about, you know, how the event started, who Zach was before, who he's been afterwards. But real quick, before we dive in, I wanted to, I wanted to ask your opinion on something because you, you know, for me as a speaker, I teach people how to turn their mess into their message. One of the things I find the most, and I know you'll find this because you're a gangster at marketing. And it's basically the same kind of things that we're doing, a little bit different details. But when I start working with high level people, they almost feel like nervous to share their story because they feel like it's attention seeking mm-hmm. or they feel like people are going to think that I'm just trying to, you know, stand out or look cool. So have you fought any of those demons so far in this new version of you fighting that story? Was it easy just to start telling or what would you say to anybody who has a traumatic experience that they want to turn into a message, but they're fearful of people judging them or, or talking shit about it. Like, what do you have to say to somebody like that? So I actually have the opposite experience. So where you come from and you have high level performers that don't want to say it because they feel like it is like, you know, bait and switch or buzzing words or, or whatever, like, right. Cause I, I openly, I'm not wearing the hat right now, but I got a hat sitting on my, on my uh, bookshelf. That's the anti guru club, right? Like I I hate gurus that are out here just faking it till they make it. But like, you know, everyone has like a rags to riches story. So like, I don't push on like, 
I actually said it out loud on a podcast not too long ago for the first time ever in 10 years. I never even realized it because I don't I don't pray on this, but like I was homeless during some of this. But I never once have ever thought of be like, I went from homeless to being a running multi-million dollar organization. You know, like I never thought of that and I don't use it, but there are people out there that do that. So I see where you're coming from and where some of the people you speak to kind of see that as like a icky, like, ooh, we don't do that. But I actually have the opposite. A lot of people that I speak to or consult to or whatever, they are terrified to talk about the negatives because they feel like it discredits any success or progress they have now. And so I help them reframe that and say that like your past, those fuck ups qualify you to speak on what you're speaking on now. Mm. How in the history of anything would I ever fucking believe you if I was a struggling addict that wanted to get into business? Why would I ever believe Marshall that I could do it if Marshall had never been an addict? You can't talk to me, bro. I will get nothing out of you. There's not a conversation you can have to me that I will ever believe you are qualified enough to tell me that I can be successful. My wife, my wife runs a woman's empowerment group. My wife was raped. My wife helps women who have been raped or gone through any type of physical or mental abuse or anything. She helps them come through that and heal themselves. Do you think they would listen to her if she'd never been raped? Absolutely not. So like, you you've got to learn to understand that like in everything in life my my book coming out shameless plug whatever uh my book it's six chapters now these are pretty long chapters but each one of these chapters are something that are devastating scenarios that happened in my life these are six things that typically would crush I'm not saying I'm better than anyone, but right. the average person, let's be real here. If you're listening to this, you're probably the demographic to understand where my heart is and my, what I mean. But like these would crush the average individual. However, if you were to read it in a certain type of light, you mean like, man, this dude has the worst luck or the worst mm. life. This poor guy. I took every one of these situations and turned them into some of the most impactful lessons I have learned and I go and share it with the world, bro. Like these devastating situations made me who I am and allow me to reach out to people and help them through their situations. Dude, a hundred percent, man. And I think that that I, I, you said it so beautifully and I can't wait to meet, uh, I can't wait to meet your beautiful bride. I can't wait till we get an opportunity to link up. Uh, my fiance, actually, her business is called Empowerment Fitness. Um, and she actually uh, transitioned because that's her thing, like helping empower women. I mean, KJ, my, my fiance, she's been raped and she's been, for, uh, you know, done these traumatic things as well. And that's one of the things that makes her relatable. And I love how you say that because you're absolutely right. It's like it, I tell people I have a talk, right? It's called How to Get Rich Speaking for Free. And like one of the things that we talk about is like you're already qualified to tell your story. Like you survived a hundred percent of the days leading up to here. And there's a version of Marshall from a year ago, five years ago, 10 years yes. ago, who literally, he never thought he would ever be here. He's like, there was a time in Marshall's life when he knew for sure that it would never work out. And now here we are. And so let's, uh, I, I, I appreciate you sharing all that. So let's give some context and let's give some background because it's awesome to see you in this badass studio. I know you got a bunch of things moving and shaking and we're going to get the audience pumped up about some of the things. I know you have a, a vodka company. You're repping your own shirt right there. You got your hands in a whole bunch of shit, dude. And I'm like, I, you're the type of guy I want to be around. 
But let's talk about the guy who was Zach before that accident. Mm-hmm. Who was Zach before that? Tell the, tell me a little bit about that, Zach. I mean, what's the what's the background story? Did Zach grow up in a happy, tidy little home? Was it a struggle? What were you going through? And kind of give me the first half breakdown of what life was like before that life-changing accident. Yeah, absolutely, man. So, uh, man, life has been interesting for me, man. It's all about, you know, how you react to the circumstances and the situations that you face, right? Because it's like I I talk about the parable all the time, not the Bible parable, but the life parable uh, about like, you know, you've got two, you got two twin brothers, one's an alcoholic and one's sober, right? And you go and ask the alcoholic, why are you an alcoholic? And his response is because my dad was an alcoholic. And then you go and ask the sober twin brother, why are you sober? Because my dad was an alcoholic. Mm. So like, you know, like you hear these stories um, of people that, uh, you know, man, you, you hear people that let's, let's take the ghetto. You you see some people that come out of the ghetto and they stay in the ghetto. They stay in the mud. They stay doing the gangster shit, right? Then you got some people, I've I've met Fortune 500 owners, CEOs that came from the ghetto, right? Then you go over here and you find some like Beverly Hills, like, you know, silver spoon fed people that come out of that and end up trash, bro. They end up just the worst human beings you could ever meet in your life. Then you meet some that come out and successfully run these multi-million dollar organizations. So like, you know, through everything, there's multiple paths you can go on. For me, I come from an interesting situation. You know, my home life was good. We were never like um, poor. I don't want to say, but like we were never like we were, we were straight, just straight on the midline, but What's interesting is I'm the oldest of five. So there's a lot of financial responsibility when it comes running a household of seven people. Um, uh, so I, I have a lot of respect for my dad and, uh, you know, cause he was a single, we were in a single income family. Uh, and at the time growing up, my dad was an entrepreneur. Um, but what I mean by these different scenarios, right? Like the ghetto and the Beverly Hills and all that is <clears throat> I'm not, a entrepreneur because you would typically think oh he he was raised by an entrepreneur um i've got a very i've got a lot of internal like success guilt based around this um because my dad was a very successful entrepreneur and when i say very successful entrepreneur uh we were never multimillionaires or anything like that but my dad got pulled out of college to go design the flight simulator for FedEx. Like wow. my dad's a gangster at what he does. Um, but in saying that I had to have my heart broken watching my dad get crushed and never enter the entrepreneurial world ever again. And to, uh, 2011 at nine 11, uh, after the not after nine 11, like, that whole like economy just freak out where everyone thought we were going to war and this and that, whatever. My dad lost his job and went without a job for over a year and um, it crushed him. My dad never went back to uh, um, the entrepreneurial world ever again after that, because all his clients, everyone freaked out, everyone locked up, everyone was firing whatever, um, you know, contractors and and anything so my dad lost all of his clients. I mean, went from, you know, hero to zero with a household of seven people, five kids. Wow. And, um, you know, he never, he never entered 
uh, entrepreneurial space again. Now I will say just to kind of clarify, he's now starting to dabble back into like some side hustle stuff, which I'm massively proud of him for. Yeah. I'm excited for him, but it was just, you know, you would never really expect, you know, if I were ever to tell a story and be like, yeah, my dad was an entrepreneur. They go, no wonder. Well, um, you know, I saw that and I was devastated by that because I saw how fickle that life can be and how quickly that rug can be pulled out from under you. So it, it was, it stuck with me. Now, um, my dad is very, uh, much so like, don't tell me about it, show it to me. Mm-hmm. So as a hyper visionary, I will say growing up, it was very difficult. Like my dad is not someone I can go brainstorm with. Cause my dad's not visionary. My dad is very much integrator. So, uh, and I didn't learn these kinds of things until where I am today. So now it's like, here I am, you know, 10, 15, 20 years removed from the situation. I'm like, Oh, this makes so much sense. Like, you know, at the time when you're a young person trying to grow these like parts of your brain into this visionary that I am today, it's like, man, fuck you, dad, bro. Right. Like, where's my support. But meanwhile, he's supporting me the best way he knows how, which is saying, hey, bro, don't fucking tell me about it. Go fucking show me. So, um, you know, long story short, uh, you know, I was like 14 years old, man. And my dad helped me like design these little flyers to go like pass out around the neighborhood so I can like mow people's yards. And so here I am at 14 years old, bro. I end up, um, you know, I, I cut quite a few yards based on the coupon, but I ended up with 22 people that kept me on all summer long. And so I would alternate them, you know, sh- cut them every other week. So that's 11 a week, every week at 40 bucks a pop. You're talking about 14 years old, making $440 a week cash, that's, bro. Oh, dude. Like, what do you do with that money, bro? Like right. I'm 14, no bills, bro. I literally got to a point. I'm going to show my nerd here. This is like back when Halo was like the thing. I had four original Xboxes, 16 controllers, four uh, four copies of Halo, and the LAN uh, Ethernet cables, bro. 16 or 15 of my homies would come over. And we would just <laughs> play nonstop. I got dude, I'm 14 and got all the money in the world to my knowledge. Um, <clears throat> But... I took that work ethic with me. Like, um, if there's one thing that I can attest to this and for the listeners, man, it's like, you might see a lot of us that are quote unquote successful in your eyes. And you might think like, bro, I don't have those skills. Like I'm not a good salesman or I'm not good web developer. I'm not a good speaker, this, that, whatever. If there is one thing I can tell you that you can do, and is solely up to you is not skill-based is work ethic. Mm. I am where I'm at today, not because of my skills, but because of my work ethic. Um, the work ethic led to, you know, it's not what you know, it's who you know kind of deal, but also it is what you know. So like my work ethic led to the skills I have today. My work ethic led to the relationships I have today. Cause right. they see me and say that motherfucker is willing to fucking work. I want him on my team. I want him around me and I want, I just want to be around. So like, if you don't have a single skill and you're listening to this right now, what you can do is you can grind your fucking ass off till you get them and you can grind your ass off until you get to the right tables and sit in the right rooms. Um, but man, that's, I, I, I love ahead. that. I no, no, I love that dude. I mean, first off, like, you know, because 
people assume, oh, well, you know, here's this guy. He's got a bunch of tats. He's, you know, he talks a little, uh, he talks like a normal person. You know, he's not all curated and like professional. And so people are like, you know, they want to know, well, what is the story? Well, how, how did this guy get to be like this? And the, I was just on the call with a client the other day. And one of the things that she's struggling with is she doesn't feel like she really deserves to tell her story because she didn't go through anything like super traumatic growing up. Like two parent household, two income household, you know, parents weren't divorced, like wasn't raped, didn't try to suicide, no addiction. And I'm trying to explain to her, I'm like, and how ordinary does that make you feel? And she's like, well, pretty ordinary. And I'm like, and for most of your life, what have you felt like you deserved? Ordinary results, ordinary, ordinary outcomes. And so I love when you share this story because I want people to understand is that great things can come from ordinary beginnings. Mm -hmm. They don't have to come from this deep rooted pain and toxicity. Like yes. that's not the case. So the fact that somebody may be listening to this and want to go get started, but they're judging themselves because their life has been so vanilla. It's like, yo, did you know that that's most people's story? Mm -hmm. And not that, you're, not that your background was vanilla, but what I'm saying is like most people judge themselves because they don't have this traumatic motorcycle accident or this attempted suicide or they, would, they, they weren't in prison. And so I love that you're talking about this and sharing this. One of the things I always, my mentor taught me, so I'm not going to say it was me, but it's like, I feel like who you, it's not what you know, it's who you know. It's kind of, it's like, it's a, it's a lie because just because you know, the right people doesn't mean shit. Right. What it really is, is it's what you know with who, you know, Yes. So I love that you say that develop the work ethic, go find some skills that are built around your passion and then get in the right rooms, the right people and watch how the right information changes your life. Well, dude, let me ask you this then, man, because that, and I'll continue to get back into the story, but one of the things that I love about your brand and I'm 38 years old. So the reason that at this point I relate to you so much is you as a man, a father, and a husband. I love how much a part of your brand that is and how you're celebrating your queen all the time and how you make time for your kids and all these things. So let's get into business in a second, but I'm kind of, I'm on a tangent here now as I think about your father. So what does that meant for you then as a father? How long have you been a father? How many kids? And, and tell me a little bit about like, what does that mean to you as a man to be able to give back to your kids and give them that life that maybe, maybe not that your dad wasn't necessarily able to give to you, but maybe the vision that he fell short on, he probably had even a bigger vision. And so this is nothing against Mr. Zach's dad, but like, how has that impacted you as a father and a husband now? No, a hundred percent. And real quick before I dive in this, because you touched on it. So I hear people say that all the time, right? Like, oh, I'm, I was never homeless or I never did this, right? This ordinary lifestyle. How many other people in this world do you think think the same thing? Like if there is, if you are thinking it or if you're saying it, there's a million other people thinking it. Like take that message and go help other people that are stuck in that. It just takes the first person to take that first step and do it and then go tell the rest how to do it. It's totally fine. You, There are more people with an ordinary life than there are a fucked up life, in my opinion, that I speak to. So go find out how to make your own voice and go tell the world of people that think just like you. Oh, I'm, I'm just a regular old plumber. I've my, my, my family's been great. My parents are still together. You know, I've, ne I've never had a weed grow in my yard. Like, there's other people like that. Go tell the message. Um, 100%. But... I will say, um, you know, I don't fault my father, you know, for anything. Um, after shortly after having my daughter, so we we only have one daughter, um, and um, shortly after having her, like I had a pretty big emotional breakdown 
just finally feeling it. it was after I jumped, I jumped uh, into the private sector and started my, my organization when my daughter was uh, six weeks old. Um, so yeah, it was, yeah. Talk about scary. Um, but in that process, like feeling that weight on my shoulders, you know, cause it's one thing to be an entrepreneur when it's just you, when you got a wife and a daughter, it changes the game. Then when you start adding employees on top of that, then it really, you know, it's just, there's a lot, there's levels to this shit, but, um, I, man, I broke down to my dad pretty emotionally and just like, I was like in my head, I was like, I don't know how the hell he did it with five kids. Like I'm, right. I'm like emotionally overwhelmed with one. Uh, <clears throat> but you know, I don't fault my dad for anything um, because you've also got to think about how the world has changed. So like back then, it was not cool to be an entrepreneur. Like now it's like, it's like super cool to put CEO and founder in your like Instagram bio. Like it's like, bro, shut up. You, you have a t-shirt dog, like, you know, uh, but like, you know, that's cool for everyone to say now, everyone wants to be an entrepreneur. Everyone wants to be their own boss, which obviously I'm a very big advocate of it. But like back then that wasn't the thing. Like it was like relatively oddball to be like, right. You know, like, it's like, oh, shit, they couldn't cut it in corporate America. So they had to just, you know, figure it out. So well, um, not only that, you got to think about I'm a firm believer that, like, if any of us have successful parents, grandparents or great grandparents and we're not like I'm going to use some strong language here, but fuck you. Like w th the amount of skills we have, I genuinely believe we can do more in a single month than they could in a year Crap. with the access to softwares to access to people access to conversations i can literally put out a single post and end up on a call with 50 people at at will you know what i mean my grandfather would uh, that's 50 hours worth of work he would have to go gone to you know not to mention drive time this that whatever so like you know for my dad um in his experience I think my dad was doing re really good uh, for the time he was in and what he was doing. Like I said, man, we were never like multimillionaires. He didn't necessarily have that, that mindset. Um, but uh, he also came from nothing. Um, and so I, I, I took the work ethic cause I will get it lead by example. Mm. My dad worked his ass off. Um, so I took that and applied that to my life. Now he did not have the education on, on what the platforms we have now. So he could not pass that on to me. He could not teach me right. all the softwares that I use today. My company right now, we probably run, and this is a, I know this is a wide range, but I'm probably, we're probably running 200, uh, ish softwares within my organization right now. That was not a thing back then, you know? So like, there's no way he could have taught me the skill set that I need to have to run a successful marketing agency like I am today. Right. So, but, um, you know, he did embed in me that like, if I had a strong work ethic that I could take that anywhere and create the relationships I needed to get the jobs that I needed. Um, as far as like, you know, my parents have since, uh, with me being an adult has since, uh, gotten a divorce, uh, which, you know, it, it is what it is. Um, 
And in fact, uh, you know, this might be something uh, I don't think I've ever said this publicly on anything like this, but like, uh, I don't talk to my mom anymore, not because of the divorce, but because uh, that is how crucial I am at cutting toxicity out of my life mm. and how protective I am of my wife and daughter and our, our family. Um, you know, so like, you know, I come from like in my adult life, I've had to adapt to the lifestyle that I have now. Uh, but understanding the hierarchy of roles and responsibilities, not only to where we are in the present, but also where we're going in the future. Like, you know, it, it's like for me, what I've a uh, mindset I've tried to adapt is, you know, they say uh, in life or in business you know, hire employees for where you're going, not where you are, right? Mm -hmm. If you hire employees for where you're at, you're always going to stay there because those are the skill sets that you're acquiring versus if you hire employees for where you're going, it might be scary and it might be a stretch now, but that's how you start to get that projection. Right. Um, I've kind of taken the baseline of that psychology and applied that to pretty much everything. Like if you're not going to be in my life to be someone to help push and or pull me because you got to think who's someone someone that's further along for than you can they push you or can they pull you right so like a lot of times now the answer is they can push and they can pull but here's the 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 thought process here if they are ahead of you there's two options they're going to either push you or they're going to pull you now if they're pushing you what are they doing they're pushing you back further down if they're pulling you they're pulling you up right same thing as someone either that's with you or below you. If you're surrounding yourself with people that are with you or below you, I'm a firm believer that there is someone that is below me in business and life that can be more critical to my success than someone that's above me. Because the person that's above me can be pushing me down while the person below me can be pushing me up. So let me, go ahead. Let me, let me stop you real quick, bro. Cause I, I mean, not to interrupt your flow, but I want to touch on something before we get too far away from it. Cause you hit a, you hit a vein right there that I know a lot of listeners and viewers they've dealt with. I've dealt with this in my past, but I want to hear you. I want to hear your take on it before we keep moving through it. And that is like, dude, it's all fine and dandy to talk about cutting toxic people out of your life. And you and I know, and a lot of the listeners know that in the beginning, getting rid of your best friends, your childhood friends is like the hardest part. Like getting rid of the toxicity out of your life is fucking hard because it's the identity of who you've been. But Zach, how do you do that with your family? Like there are people that are commenting right now. It's like, yo, I had to deal with that with my family. So for somebody that's listening to this right now, who maybe not be further as far as you are, like how did Zach arrive at this lesson that the toxicity could even come become family? And how did you make a decision to, to cut your mom out of your life. Now, to give context, I had to do this with most of my family. So I'm not like, I'm just saying for context, for our show, like, how did you do that? Like, how did you get to that point? And how did you make that decision? And what can the viewers learn from somebody who's gone through it? Man, uh, I'll tell you, it gets easier and easier. Uh, and like, so this could be like that pendulum swing that you need because like now, like now, dog, I've cut my own mom out my life, bro. Like you think I ain't going to fucking cut you out? Right, like, right, right. You know? So like, <laughs> you know, that one was a big pill to swallow, um, you know, because, uh, you know, for those that are listening, like I grew up a mama's boy, 
Um, you know, so like I had to understand what was most important. And um, I left my mom with an opportunity. All right. I left my mom with an opportunity. The door is cracked. I told her that we could work through this with a mediator, with a preacher at, at the church or whatever, but I'm not going to walk through that door for her. Right? right. So like, man, I just realized that it's exactly what I was just explaining. There's going to be some people that are either pushing you or pulling you. Okay. And you've got to determine what that is. Right. So like when someone is pulling you, and in a negative sense, they are grasping a hold of whatever they can to pull you down, right? right? They are doing, and you have to understand this. I'll give a little bit of context. Who was I? I was listening to or talking to someone. Anyways, um, it, this comes from a Navy SEAL. And the Navy SEAL and their jump program, and if you're in the services, please don't slaughter me for not having the right context or the names, but follow along here for everyone else listening. Um, one of their like specialists, like if a um, uh, a fighter jet goes down behind enemy lines or something like that, and they've got to go save this American pilot, right? Um, if it is in water, if it is in water, right? They've got to go save this pilot that's potentially drowning or drowned or whatever the case is. <clears throat> Their training, these rescue guys training is to grab these guys and, and literally shake them out of their reality because in their reality, in their mind, they're, bro, they're behind enemy lines. They are alone. They are scared. They're potentially facing like hypothermia. Their body's potentially mm. shutting down. They're in uncharted territory. They're in water. They are scared individuals, right? So they might think that this is an enemy coming up to them, whatever the case is. They're instructed to, to wake them up into reality, attempt that. Then that doesn't work. They, they've got their own protocol, and I'm not here to, to preach the protocol. Uh, but give or take, let's say it's three times, they're instructed to try and wake them up. Outside of that, their instructions are to punch these motherfuckers in the face one last attempt and then to swim away. Mm. Because the, the, the deal is only one Navy SEAL is going to drown that day, not two. Right. So I want you to think about this loved one that is sitting there drowning because they cannot get a grasp on what is true reality. And they are going to end up drowning you as well if you do not learn to be able to walk away in a healthy in a healthy objective. So, man, for me, it was just realizing where my priorities were like. I can have a lot of respect. There's a lot of people in my book. There's a few people that I will actually, because I'm putting my dick on the table. I actually name them. I don't give a shit. I name them. And I still have respect because they they meant something for me in my life at that right. point in time. Right. Like I had to have that toxic person in my life. I had to have them because I had to learn that lesson. I had to take that lesson to allow it to mold me into who I am today. So I, I don't fault my mom 
I don't fault the multiple people that have fucked me over to where I am today because I ultimately learned something from them. Thank right. you for that. Thank you for right. that expensive lesson. Yes. Uh, yeah, dude. I well, I, I want to add a little bit to that, and I really appreciate you sharing that. But you know, for for my life, you know, I had to cut out a lot of people out of my life as well. But my stepfather was the first one because he was so toxic. My mother finally divorced my stepfather after 32 years about two years ago. And I have a 10-year-old half-sister, a half-sister who's 10 years younger than me. And so my stepfather has always turned my little sister against me. Oh, he's this worthless dirtbag. He's a drug addict. He's just a, another Mexican, like, it's like all this crazy shit. And so my little sister has always grown up hating me. And it got to a point a few years ago, Zach, where I had already cut everybody out of my life. I had to cut my sister out of my life, all the things. But I go back to Illinois and I visit with my mom and I tell my mom, this is like three years ago. I'm like, I can never come back out to the farm again. It like I went out there one day, my stepdad and my sister were there. And it's just so much yelling and toxicity and just, just anger. And I tell my mom, I'm sorry, I can never come back here again. Now, the reason I'm telling this to the viewers and listening as part of the context of this story is my mom knew that she had, she probably should have left that marriage. I mean, 15, 20, 30 years ago. Yep. And she didn't. So when she was getting ready to leave though, three years ago, she was so worried about Bryn. What am I going to do about your sister? And I'm like, mom, and I, this is the part I want to say to all the listeners to give this story some more context is that I told my mom the best thing that she could do for Bryn, like, how am I ever going to break Bryn away from her father? How am I going to make, break him away from this narcissist? Like she, she is so, she worships her father. I mean, he, he treats her like shit. And I'm like, the only thing you can do that's ever going to have an opportunity to save Bryn mom is to save yourself to pull yourself out of the situation. You know, people are like, how am I going to change my wife? How am I going to change my husband? Well, we can't change anybody, but most people hurt people, hurt people. I never wanted to beat up my stepdad. Cause I always knew, I don't know how I knew, but I always knew that, okay, let's say I beat that man up. I could only exact ever picture a, a little boy on the ground crying with his ass beat because I know that there's a little boy inside of him that's actually hurting. And so I'm trying to tell my mom as it applies to leaving the toxicity of this family behind and what it might mean to brain. I'm like, she has no context on what it looks like for a woman to be empowered, to make a decision, to set these boundaries. And the only opportunity, mom, the only, the only chance you're ever going to have to possibly save Bryn is not by staying. It's by going and showing her what's possible. And Zach, three years later, as of about probably about three months ago, my mom and my sister have finally repaired their relationship. It's better than it's ever been. And Bryn has finally turned that corner and is becoming somebody else. And so it's one of those stories of toxicity where it's like, Bro, the, I know it seems like it's the worst idea, but the only, the best thing you can do for your husband, your mom, your dad, your father, your son, your daughter, who the fuck ever that is, is to just be that fucking person that you know you're meant to be. And if they're meant to come on board with you, they, they will. And so I, lo I love you sharing that, man. Uh, dude, absolutely. And, and you just said it like that does not mean – that does not mean that they're not going to come back in your life. You know, it's just, it's a no for right now, bro. Yes. Like, like, dude, it's yes. a no for right now. And that's the thing, man, is like with everything in my life, I give, like, I give people the tools. I give the people the tools. Like I will give them, uh, I'm now, you know, luckily enough. And if anyone is struggling with this, reach out to myself or Marshall and we'll give you people to speak to like, I now, our network is big enough now that I have resources that I can send people yes. to go get help, yes. go figure this out. I've got book recommendations. I will literally, if you're having an issue, I will send you a book that will help get you out of this hole. Like whatever the case is, there's resources, but like 
you have to understand, and I'll I'll put it in perspective here, right? Um, my my wife and I, and I, I'm gonna give it to you in this type of context, and I'm gonna pull it back to the relationship thing. Uh, my wife and I, we live in Louisiana currently, and there was a time when uh, we had a a hurricane coming to us, and we had just like a few months prior, our house had flooded, so like I was kind of pretty gunshot on the whole situation uh and going through the situation my wife had uh ended up with a pretty serious like my wife almost died um situation due to a surgery mishap and um while she was going through this we also had a you know at the time about a two two and two and a half year old our baby girl is two two and a half years old and um, so when we were in discussions, like, should we stay and kind of wait out this storm or should we evacuate this, that, whatever? I said, listen, I'm not going to be put into a situation where if the worst case scenario happened, I have to choose to save my wife or my daughter, mm. right? Because we're now at a situation where like in a situation like that, my daughter is the one that has helped. It is now my responsibility to care for her and take care of her, right? So now to bring that kind of situation backwards to this relationship with my mom is I am married now. And for those of you um, who want to, you know, bring any like, you know, um, Christianity into the spectrum or whatever, you know, when they talk about marriage, like my responsibility now is to my wife mm -hmm. and you know you don't have to necessarily bring religion into it to understand that concept but you know my wife and now i now are one right yes. like biblically or if you just believe in the constitution of marriage or whatever that case is like my responsibilities to my wife so and, and again at the time when we we severed ties here i had my daughter as well so now that's just an added level so now my responsibility, and hear me, guys, this is going back to the, the drowning Navy SEAL. My responsibility is not to save you anymore. My responsibility is to protect and care for my wife and daughter. Mm. So that, that realization in and of itself was what made cutting the, that, tie, that tie the easiest decision of my entire life. And ever since I've done that, bro, I, I go to sleep very well every night. Bro, I, first off, ins incredible insight. I always feel that you live in Louisiana. I don't know why I think that's so badass. But um, <laughs> I want to I highlight something that you said there too. And I, then I want to kind of talk about how that switch happened. You said something that my fiance taught me. So I've been with my fiance now for two years. Um, that the, Becoming a stepfather, becoming a father, and being an actual dedicated partner the last two years has, has been my rite of passage to become a man. And you said something that I thought that I never even realized before. And this is what Kirsty taught me. She always says she, she's not responsible for me. She's responsible to me. She's responsible for herself. Same thing with the kids. She's not responsible necessarily for the kids. She's responsible to them. She looks at it as a way as like God has entrusted her to raise those kids, but they don't belong to her. They're in her care right now. And so she's always says, I'm responsible to you, but not for you. And what and and as a man, what that what I was hearing was. Like, okay, well then I got to be responsible for my own shit, which means I have to handle my own shit. So becoming a father has taught me all those lessons that you just said. And now it's so much easier because I'm like, well, I have a responsibility to my boys. 
I have a responsibility to show them what it looks like for a man to become the best version of himself. I have a responsibility to show my, my woman what it looks like to let go of the demons and do these things. So I love that you say that. And I want to shift gears and uh, kind of talk about your daughter for a second. So I want to give some context before I ask my next question. Your daughter, Lottie, right? Yeah. Okay. How old is she now? Three and a half. Okay. You post stuff all the time. That's like shit that Lottie says, or I should write a book, right? Like some of the things that you're posting about what she says is just like, they're so heartwarming and so adorable. <laughs> like I can't even stand it, man. And so tell me a little bit about that. Like, did you always know from the, cause well, again, let me give a little bit more context. You run a men's accountability group called Uncaged. I don't know anything about this group yet. I only hear people talking about it or see people briefly talking about it. I feel like it's like some kind of a fight club because I don't feel like it's like one of those things that's out in the light, but everybody kind of like has like maybe a little patch or a little button on their coat that nobody fucking talks about. But obviously you're leading men. And so what kind of conversations are you having? Like, let's bring this a little bit to light. Like, let's talk about that for a second. As a man, and yes, this applies to women too, but this is probably more Heather's department of speaking life into women through empowerment. But like, as a man, how do we get to that point where we become responsible to these things? But not only how do we become responsible, how do we own up and own those things that we're responsible to? I mean, you say, you're like, oh yeah, it was, I've cut, I'm cutting out this person, that person, because I'm responsible to these people. But how did that Zach get to be that Zach? Like, where did that lesson come from? Like, how did you intrinsically become that? Man, um, that's a dude. I've been on this journey for three or four years now, actually, probably a little bit longer, not much longer, but like, I've just been on this journey of becoming the best version of myself, right? And, um, <clears throat> I believe that it all starts with me. Like, I believe that everything, my business starts with me. My marriage starts with me. My relationship with my daughter starts with me. It all starts with me. Um, and so the, my men's group is hyper, hyper, hyper accountable. I mean, I'm aggressive with it. I mean, um, I'm not going to say it here because there's mixed, <laughs> yeah, mixed crowd, but like I'll call them the P word, uh, you know, like because like and, and let me preface this for anyone listening like there is a very large disclaimer before you get into this is that I'm going to talk to you the way I talk to me. And I don't want, you know, there's some people out there, coaches, men's coaches and stuff out there that like, I understand where they're coming from, where they'll be like, you know, when you talk negatively to yourself, like all you're doing is reinforcing like negative thoughts. Uh, let's separate that. I understand the psychology there, but also like, like my alarm to go work out, my alarm is lift, bitch. Like, yeah. I got to like, like, bro, like, ain't no one else going to do it for me. If I want this body, I've got to create it. Marshall could want me to have it as much as he wants or Heather or this or that. Ain't nobody else going to be able to do it for me. But anyways, um, it's been this, like, this journey I've been on. Uh, because growing up, man, I've not always been the most, like, like I, I can make excuses like the best of them, bro. Like, and, and, and mind you, if you're listening to this, it, when I say excuses, excuses doesn't always mean to your peer or your significant other, you mean making excuses to yourself, right? Like I'm a really, really, really good salesman, right? Like I, I come from sales and marketing. I can, I can convince myself of pretty much anything I want, right? Like I can justify laziness. I can justify Same. hustling. I can justify sleeping in. I can justify waking up early. Like 
you know, you can justify all these things. So like <clears throat> the clarity comes in when you realize what the difference is an actual like justification and excuses. So like when I developed the fuck your excuses, like basically tenant, I mean, it is like in my soul now. Um, I started realizing um, you've got two, two things. Like everything in life can be broken down into two things. It is either the problem or it is the solution. Mm. Like, what is it? Like, I'm, I'm trying to like think of something. I'm trying to like actually discredit my statement right now. I'm trying to think of if there's like, is my wife a problem or is my wife a solution? Is what I'm doing for this client a, a problem or is it a solution? Is me buying this vehicle a problem or is it a solution? Like everything in life is either a problem or it is a solution and it's up to you to figure out, do you want to continue down a path of problems or a path of solutions? Yes. I, I'm always like, dude, what I say is like, listen, I'm like, either you're either you're doing it or you're not either you're getting it done or you're not. There is no fucking in between you. You are, you aren't either. You want this thing and you're going to go out and work for it. And I apologize for being harsh too, but I say it all the time, like either stand up and go do it or sit down and shut the fuck up. Yes. Like, and I don't mean to be harsh. I'm just saying like, listen, it's either or. Either you're going to get it done or you're not. And if you're going to do it, then go out and fight. But, but if you're going to make excuses, then just sit down, shut the fuck up. Trust me, your life will be better. Like, let, let go of it. If it's not you, then let go of it, right? So I think it's easy. To, it's all these things that are easy to say. Let me ask you this, Zach, because we've been talking about a lot now for almost the last hour. Let's let's go back here to a second. Look, Julian, uh, one of our dudes says like, he says, Zach Williams, man, is fucking with the fire right now. Two savages. Zach, what you're sharing right now, man, is giving a lot of, is creating a lot of space for people who are listening to this. We're going to come back and watch it on replay. Hey, check it out real quick. If you're, if you're listening to this on replay on podcast, do me a favor. Make sure you're subscribed to the show. It'd be even cooler if you left us a review. If you hate the show, that's okay. Let me know. I'll probably screenshot it and talk shit about you in my Instagram story. If you love it, I'll probably talk awesome about you and share my Instagram story. Go leave us a review. If you're watching this replay on social media, whether it's on YouTube or Facebook, be a friend, tell a friend, share this episode with somebody that might get some value from it. So Zach, we've talked about a lot. Let's, let's jump back to where we started in the beginning, which is this accident. How did that accident change your life from everything that we just spent the last hour talking about? How did that accident change your life and who have you been able to become since then? Man, uh, <clears throat> And uh, not to not to make it a, a shameless plug, but like my book is is mass. It dives oh, it's not deep. A shame, it's not a shameless plug. <clears throat> if you guys have listened to this podcasting for one fucking minute, you know how fire Zach is. If you're not following him on social media platforms, do that. I have to interrupt him and stop him right there for that. I'm not gonna let that shit slide again. Go get the fucking book. If it's not out yet, go get on the uh, the, um, the pre-release uh, uh, list. And if it is out, get your ass to the nearest platform that you can buy it from and get it. Okay, Zach, go. Let's go for your book. <laughs> All right. So, you know, there are so many lessons I learned from it. Um, one of the lessons I learned was one foot in front of the other. Uh, and what I mean by that is like cognitively when you're growing up, like my daughter will not be able to remember enough to tell me, daddy, 
when I learned to walk, this is the process. She just learned it and it just is. You don't, we're grown ass adults. We do not think about, all right, let's take a step. Let's do this. Let's do that. <clears throat> when I went through my wreck, A, I was told I was never going to walk again. But then B, it took me over a year to be able to force myself to walk again. Well, I'm now an adult. My brain's developed. It's my adult life. I can tell you how we learn to walk. You look at your feet. You look at the next step you're going to take. You watch yourself put that foot in mm. that next step. Mm. You slowly apply pressure to it until you realize that you are stable. And then you slowly pull pressure off where you used to be to move your foot forward to the next step. Wow. Okay. That is how you walk. We don't think about it, but that is literally what is going on in your brain when you take your next step. Everything else in life can be replicated that way. You need to look at where you are, evaluate where you are, look at where you're wanting to go, and take a baby step in the right direction, slowly apply pressure to that to see if it can sustain you, and then it's a, got a solid foundation, then you slowly let go of where the fuck you used to be and keep going forward one step at a time. Dude, let's <laughs> fucking go. I can't wait for your book to come out. Bro, I'm pumped. So I'm going to do a shameless plug, except I don't have any shame in my game, so it's not a fucking shameless plug. But for those of you who don't know, we are hosting an event. I am hosting a speaker training event. It's in May, May 4th through May 6th. It's in Montana, and I'll have Zach be coming out to speak at that event, which I'm absolutely stoked about. Um, getting somebody of Zach's caliber to come out to your event and speak is, is a true honor. And if you've ever worked with me or been to any of my stuff, you know that I absolutely die on trying to give you guys the absolute most value at all times, which means connecting you to the most valuable people I possibly can. So check this out. If you are listening, Listening to this or watching this now, and you want to get an opportunity to spend a weekend with me, with Zach, and with some of the other gangster speakers that I have coming out, I want you guys to consider coming out to the event. Okay. Now I'm going to be honest with you. This event is best for leaders who have a story that they want to share with the world, turn into a message and turn into a movement. Okay. Zach is becoming hyper aware of this already before I ever met him. But the way that we build, the way that I build speaking businesses, Zach, is I teach people, listen. Just build a brand new business to promote your other ones. My speaking business promotes and supports my coaching business, supports and coach, but um, supports and promotes all of my other businesses. So if you want to learn how to build a six or seven figure speaking business that allows you to share your story to create impact and influence in the world that then promotes and supports all of your other businesses so you can make money, you're going to want to be at this event. I just had to highlight that, Zach. Like if you guys want some people are like, these guys are savages or gangsters, cool. Come be savage and come be a gangster with us. Come out to Montana in May. It's during Cinco de Mayo, so we're going to have a good time. I don't think that's a vodka kind of holiday, but maybe. I don't know. We'll see. I don't know how Danko, how that works or whether the distribution is at. But, um, Zach, this has been a tremendous thing, man, and I want to be respectful of your time, so we'll start to wind this up here. Sounds like we're probably going to have to get you back on another episode because there's a we could probably talk for days just on all, a whole bunch of shit. And there is like 99% of stuff we didn't even talk about, which is all the companies you run, how you run them, how you market, the book that you write, the networks you're part of, the things that you've been able to accomplish. Like it's a ton, but I want people to really know. And what I love about these episodes is I want them to get to know Zach. 
Like I don't want the positioning and the framing and the pitching, and this is what we're doing. So I'm always like up and down and back and forth. And like, if you have been listening to this episode, you can tell right now there's nothing Zach has to hide. There's no, it's no production. It's not like some curated like performance. He's like, this is the real deal. And this is why it's so important to surround yourself with people who are out there really making moves and really doing the thing. So Zach, let me ask you this as we're starting to finish up and wrap up this episode. You do run a marketing company. That is one of the things that you've been doing at a very high level for years. Tell me just a little bit about some of the businesses that you run and the lifestyle that you've been able to build. And how do these businesses support each other? And what is the future for Zach here in the next year to two, three years? Man, it's uh, the next two, three years is going to be exciting, bro. We, um, you know, so I started a marketing organization because that's where I came from. Like I, I've got 13 years before I left corporate America, I spent 13 years marketing other organizations, multi, multi, multi-million dollar organizations, chain organizations, fortune 500, uh, you name it. Well, I then realized that I enjoyed working in the private sector with CEOs, business owners like yourself, because I've got more control, but not only that, like the amount of impact I have, I make, I make fun of it all the time. You know, you, you have the employee that walks up to the, the CEO as he's sitting on his Lamborghini. He's like, bro, that's such a sick Lamborghini. And the, the CEO's like smiling and grinning. And he looks down at the employees like, yeah, man. And you know, if you go out there and you just absolutely crush it and you hit all your bonuses and you just really apply yourself this year, I'll buy another one next year. Right. Uh, and I saw so much of that. Right. Um, and so anyways, I ended up exiting corporate America coming over to the private sector and I just fell in love with the opportunities that I had at stake. I mean, you know, for me to put several million more dollars to someone else's bottom line in corporate America, or, uh, in a few cases, uh, about three quarters of a billion dollars annually. And, uh, we did some really, really massive stuff. That's cool and all, but coming over here and adding, you know, a million, two million, three million dollars to someone else's in the private sector's bottom line, bro, it's life changing for them. Like, so for me, that is hands down, you know, way more um, inspirational and motivational to me. But anyways, uh, <clears throat> yeah, so I exited started uh ROI and originally you know year 1 man i just expected to to make ends meet i expected to um you know basically pull in a bunch of ious and man mm -hmm. it we we blew up and we've doubled year over year every year since and it's just been an incredible journey so much so that now uh, i've actually hired a ceo to replace myself in the day to day so that i can do more stuff like this and have more impact and start creating and inspiring and, and motivating other business owners on, you know, how to impact their businesses. Like, you know, as of right now, in one of my networking groups, like I give away an hour of one-on-one -on -one time every week to business owners and give them, I mean, literally what people would pay me thousands and thousands of dollars to come do. I just give away in hopes that that's going to help take them to the next level. And then, you know, I'm a business owner and I am a salesman and I am in a marketing. So like, I want you to know that like, I do want to lead with value. I want you to learn to know, like, and trust me. But the ultimate goal is obviously if I am a good business owner, 
there's got to be some sort of reciprocation. Now, that reciprocation may not come from you. I'm not saying I expect something from you for everything that I give. There's not ulterior motives there, but there is ulterior motives and knowing that as I'm helping other people in this world, other people will then be attracted to me and what we are doing. And that's going to help myself, my family, my employees, my employees' families, my clients, my clients' families. Because as all this grows, I've actually got clients working with other clients now because I've built up such a massive Mm. network and I'm such a massive connector now that, dude, you know, in a lot of these networking groups, I do as many of these calls as I can because now I have the power. Oh, you want to learn to speak? You want to learn to get on stage? You want to learn how to make money sharing your message? Guess what? My man Marshall Live is the guy. Like, I now have hundreds, if not thousands, of high-level entrepreneurs and CEOs that I can connect when I hear, hey, man, you need this? And all I'm doing is putting goodwill out there into this world. And that's exactly how I built this business. And that's exactly how I have this umbrella, this organization that owns multiple you know percentages of multiple other businesses as i've grown this you know i don't own a percentage of dank because i invested money in it i trade my knowledge my skill set to help take them and they've got a their seven-year exits 357 million dollars right like you know it's like there's so much impact there and there's so much opportunity but like until you start giving your things away and adding value to other people's lives you'll never reach this stuff that's gold Let's go. I, I want to highlight this as we end this show for the for the guest, for the viewers. So basically what I heard Zach say over the last a uh, little bit more than an hour now is that it came down to hard work, putting one foot in front of the other every single day, treating others how you want to be treated, developing your skill set, building your network, and having an unshakable rock solid fucking belief in yourself that you are the man or the woman to accomplish the job. I mean, like everybody wants to have these big umbrella companies, but you just said, I spent all this time in marketing. I became a fucking gangster step-by-step in hard work. I built this motherfucking machine. And then finally, and then finally, after I've given everything I can, I hired a CEO where I'm now able to step out and start to expand my empire. And I think everybody wants to go from fucking employee to I'm the Gary V doing a million gajillion things. It's like, dude, there's like, there's like 12 years of overnight success in the middle of it, but that's the good stuff. That's the life. Falling in love with the process is the sport. It's like bodybuilding. If you don't like going to the gym, like then you hate the sport because that it's not the 30 seconds you spend on stage when you're showing off. It's for me too. It's not the 60 minutes I get on stage. It's the hours of work that I'm doing and serving and getting behind. That's the process of building a speaking business that I love. And it sounds like a lot is the same for you, man. I'll tell you what, we covered a lot here. So I first want to tell all the listeners and viewers, if you guys love uh, what Zach's got going on, if you want to uh, you know, get more of him, I'm telling you, go find him on your social favorite social media platform. He's on all of them. He has a private Facebook group right now at the time of shooting this podcast in February, 2023. And that group is to show you because he's like, yo, dude, I'm writing a book. I'm publishing a book. I'm going out and doing all this thing, but I'm not keeping it for myself. As a matter of fact, I'm going to put start a free Facebook group. I'm going to put you inside the free Facebook group and I'm going to teach you exactly how I'm doing it. So you can go out and do it. The reason I'm telling the audience is I want you to go to Facebook. If you're listening to this, I want you to find Zach. I want you to add him as a friend. And I want you to join his free Facebook group where he's showing you step-by-step how to one, become part of his launch team. And then two, how you can replicate the exact same success that he's having with it, that he's going to have with his book. I mean, I think the group's already up to like 
one of like a 1300 uh, people. And you just started it like fucking three days ago. It feels like, I know it was like three weeks ago, but I mean, you just continue to do, to say you, you call your shots and then you do them and then you repeat it and you do it as the best father, the best husband, and a, just a good fucking human being in general, dude. And I, I literally, I couldn't be more stoked to connect with you. It, it's an honor to get an opportunity to meet you. This is exactly why I joined masterminds and private groups and coaching groups. And I, I pay for my friends because quite frankly, I don't have the time to go out and vet relationships anymore and to curate all these things. Instead, I look to leaders, somebody like Ryan Stuman. I look to other leaders I respect who have built something, who already have a container where they've vetted everybody and I step inside of them. That's why I'm like, dude, if you want to know more about marketing, step inside the, the container that Zach has created. I'm here on this podcast showing you that I vetted him, that he is the dude, same that Ryan did for me to connect with him, the same that I do for my speakers. And so your network is your net worth. I don't remember if it was Jim Rohn or Zig Ziglar, but they said that uh, if you help enough people in the world get what they want, you can have everything that you want. And Zach, you are a living, breathing, walking testament that that is true, man. Do you have anything that you'd love to leave the listeners with before we hop off and end this episode? Man, uh, just go out there and do exactly what myself and, and Marshall are doing. Just go tell your story. You know, I know that you feel like you don't have one. If you have a problem coming up with what your story is, reach out to myself or Marshall and we will get you connected on how to put those puzzle pieces together so that you can see that beautiful painting. Uh, picture but uh, I'm telling you you've got a story inside of you and uh, mm. all you're doing by not telling it is robbing that one person that needs to hear it the most dude amen you guys this has been another episode of the Marshall Gillen show we are here with Zach ROI motherfucking Williams in the house and uh, I hope you got some value from this so if you did like I said be a friend tell a friend your attention and your time here means everything to me thank you so much you guys I love you and we will see you on the next show